You are listening to the Sermons Podcast of First Baptist Church, Mount Washington. Well, I invite you to take your Bible, if you brought it this morning, or take one from the pew in front of you, and turn to Romans chapter 1 this morning. I want us to look at a few different passages from Romans today, uh, so we're going to be turning the pages together, but... Uh, largely staying in the, in the Paul's letter to Romans. I think when it comes to the resurrection, there are at least three questions that we must uh, consider. One is the question of whether it happened or not, and uh, that's certainly an important question and, and worth addressing, and one in which uh, I think a strong case can be made, but, but for this morning, I'm going to assume that we agree that it did happen. And that your presence here this morning is somewhat of a testimony that you believe it happened and you've come to worship God uh, today. A second question we must consider about the resurrection is, is what happened? And again, that's worth addressing and thinking about. That's when we think about the, the story of the resurrection. All four gospel accounts give uh, a story uh, about the events of that day, the, on the third day when, when Jesus rose from the dead, we, we think about the passage we read earlier from Luke. They came to the tomb to anoint his body, but they discovered he is not here, but he has risen. And it's an incredible story to consider the details of what happened. But the, this morning, I want us to focus on a third question, though, and it, it is why does it matter that it happened? What, what, what difference does the resurrection make? You know, in one sense, if we believe it's an historical event and, and, and so forth, and, and, and it's a, an incredible event, but, but if we're honest, there's a lot of uh, pretty significant events that have, that have happened in history. I mean, someone might say, well, you know, we, we put a man on the moon uh, in 1969, and, and that's a really interesting and significant event, but, but what difference does that make to my life? I mean, if the resurrection is just something that happened in history and then something that we've marked this occasion by to come together uh, to celebrate today, but it really doesn't affect our lives that much, then, then can we say that it's really significant and important? I mean, maybe this is just another holiday uh, to be with family. Maybe if, if you're fortunate to get an extra day off of work. Um, to dress up in, in our best and go home and later and then eat some ham and hunt some eggs and take a nap. Um, but I trust, again, that you believe that there's probably something a bit more to this than, than that, right? And I think the Bible teaches this. The testimony of the Scripture is that this is the most significant event to have ever happened in history and uh, that it makes a remarkable difference in our lives and even our lives today. And so that's what I want us to think about then. What significance, uh, what, what is, why does the resurrection matter? And I want us to look at the book of Romans. We've been studying this book for a good while now as a church. And uh, I want us to think about the topic of the resurrection from what Paul has been writing to us in Romans. And so I want to read a few verses this morning that I think uh, are significant uh, mentions of the resurrection that Paul makes and then uh, we'll talk about uh, what he means by that. So we begin in Romans chapter 1, 1 through 4, the very beginning of his letter. Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus, called to be an apostle, set apart for the gospel of God, 
which he promised beforehand through his prophets and the Holy Scriptures concerning, this gospel is concerning his son who was descended from David according to the flesh and who was declared to be the Son of God in power according to the Spirit of holiness by His resurrection from the dead, Jesus Christ our Lord. If you flip over a couple of pages to chapter 4, verse 24, the second part of that verse, Paul is speaking there of salvation. He says, it will be counted to us who believe in Him, who raised from the dead Jesus our Lord, who was delivered up for our trespasses and raised for our justification. Chapter 5, verse 10 for if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of His Son, much more now that we are reconciled shall we be saved by His life. Chapter 6, verse 4. We were buried, therefore, with Him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. Just a few more. Chapter 8, verse 11. If the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, He who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through His Spirit who dwells in you. Down in verse 34. Who is to condemn Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised. Who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? And then one more, chapter 10, verse 9. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord... And believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. You will be saved. Lord, as we think about your, the significance of the resurrection this morning, we pray that you would please guide our thoughts, give us ears to hear your spirit through your word, uh, that we might have better understanding of what this what this means to our lives today. And I pray that you would use me as your servant. I, I pray that you would increase and, and I would decrease and your word would go forth. And I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, there's no doubt that the, uh, the other apostles, Paul and the other apostles, believe that the resurrection was of first importance that Paul mentions in 1 Corinthians 15.3. Acts chapter 1 tells us the qualifications of an apostle, uh, that you had to be someone who had been with Christ throughout his earthly ministry, and then someone who had been a witness to the resurrection. And, and in fact, that, that was more than just a credentialing matter, it was also the summary of the apostle's calling. Uh, Acts chapter 1 verse 22 says that the fundamental task of an apostle was to witness to his resurrection. 
And that's what we find them doing over and over again in the New Testament. They're giving witness to that. Acts chapter 4 verse 2 tells us that the priest and the Sadducees were greatly annoyed because they were teaching the people and proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection from the dead. They were saying it so often that it was annoying the religious leaders of the day. It wasn't just that they were telling people about Jesus in a general way, but that they were preaching his resurrection and the life that can only come through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And so the message of the resurrection was a primary importance in their teaching and preaching. And as you read the New Testament, you find all kinds of references uh, to the truth of it, but also to the significance of it for all who believe in Christ. And so we've been studying Paul's letter to the Christians in Rome And it's interesting, Paul doesn't take any specific section and talk about the resurrection, you know, in many verses. If you've read through the whole letter, uh, you wouldn't see that. But if you've read through the letter, you will find uh, and may be surprised at how often he mentions the resurrection in his teaching to us. And he does so practically throughout the whole uh, entire letter in, in, in particular segment. His focus is always on the resurrection. He's always coming back to the resurrection. He's telling us why this is significant, why this matters uh, in our lives. So I've, I've organized them into four points for us today to think about. The first one, Paul notes there at the beginning of Romans chapter 1, that the resurrection is the declaration of Jesus' identity. Why does it matter? Well, it declares the identity of Jesus. This is Paul's opening words there, chapter 1, verse 4. When he talks about Jesus Christ, he said, who was delivered to be the Son of God in power according to the Spirit of holiness by His resurrection from the dead, Jesus Christ our Lord. There's no doubt Jesus is one of the most significant human figures in history, but what the apostles and the gospel writers were communicating over and over again, that Jesus was not just a man, he was the Son of God. And the ultimate validation of this is that he rose from the dead. Jesus, in his public ministry, said things like this, referring to himself in John 2, 19, he said, destroy this temple He's talking about his body, and in three days, I will raise it up. In Matthew 12, 40, Jesus said, just as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the great fish, so will the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. And even more specifically, he said in Mark 9, 31, the Son of Man is going to be delivered into the hands of men, and they will kill him, and when he is killed, after three days, he will rise. But it is one thing to make such statements like that and another to back them up, right? And so when Jesus' resurrection resurrected from the dead, it validated, it was a declaration that he said that he was who he said he was, the very Son of God, fully human and fully divine. And Paul wants us to leave no doubt about this right here at the beginning of his letter to Romans about who Jesus is. Notice the end of verse 4 when he gives all three names for the Son of God, Jesus Christ our Lord. 
Jesus is his saving name. It means Jehovah saves, God saves. You remember Matthew 1:21 at his birth, you shall call his name Jesus for he will save his people from their sins. Christ is his strong name. It means anointed one. We think of when the Spirit came at Jesus' baptism and beginning his earthly ministry, Jesus was endued with power from on high to carry out his mission and ministry to seek and to save the lost. And Lord is his sovereign name. He is Yahweh. He is God. Paul is telling us. I think of Philippians 2, 10 and 11, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. He's God. He's Yahweh. To the glory of God the Father. And so right here from the beginning of his letter, we see something of the, the impact that the resurrection is of why this matters in our lives. We, we have not gathered today to remember an historical event. We, we, we're not here because Jesus was just another man or, or because he was a great religious leader, one of the greatest of all times or some kind of that. No, we're here because he's the only son of God, right? He's the Christ. He's the Lord over all. Paul is declaring to us that Jesus Christ is the, the subject and the substance of the good news of the gospel. He is declaring to us the truth of John 4, 2, that this one, Jesus, is indeed the Savior of the world. And in raising him from the grave, God declared beyond a shadow of a doubt that this was true. He is Lord and you know, because that is true, that demands a certain response from us, doesn't it? Jesus is not impressed, believe it or not, by your attendance today. He is not in, in, impressed because you shared a post about him on social media. He's not impressed uh, that, that you include him uh, on your, your t-shirts or, or, or whatnot. He is not fooled by pretense. He is not fooled by mere words from our lips. Uh, he is not moved by any of these things. He demands nothing less than our total worship because he is God. Total worship. He will settle nothing short but for surrender to his lordship for your life. Every knee should bow. Every in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. This is why we're not surprised then to learn that the resurrection is also the grounding of our salvation. Or if you'd like to write the word, if you've been studying Romans with us for some time, you might want to write the word justification out beside that. Paul doesn't mention the, revel, uh, the resurrection again until chapter 4 that we read a moment ago, verses 24 and 25, speaking there of justification or salvation. Paul writes this, that it will be counted to us, salvation will be counted to us who believe in him who raised from the dead, Jesus our Lord, who was delivered up for our trespasses and raised for our justification. He was raised 
for our salvation. Luther, uh, Martin Luther wrote that in these verses, the whole of Christianity can be comprehended. The whole message, the whole gospel in these short uh, two verses of how is one saved? How can one be made right with God? Paul lays it out in these verses, doesn't he? First he says, salvation will be counted to the one who believes in God. Who believes in God who raised Jesus from the dead. That tells us something very significant, that salvation is not by works. It is by faith, isn't it? Faith. And faith, in this case, not just in God, but in, secondly, in Jesus our Lord. It will be counted to us who believe in Him, who raised from the dead, Jesus our Lord. True saving faith is one that leads you to humble yourself and submit to Jesus Christ in all things as Lord. Third, it means that you believe in His cross. This Jesus, Paul writes, who was delivered up for our sins, for our trespasses. Trespasses means our sin, our rebellion against God, our disobedience. That's the reason Jesus was delivered up to the cross. He says, you must believe that. And then fourth, you must believe he was raised for our justification, raised for our salvation. It's the most interesting way that Paul explains it there, that last phrase about uh, being raised, because most of the time when we think of our salvation, we think of the cross, don't we? And rightly so. But notice Paul says he was raised for our justification. You, you understand that if Jesus had not been raised from the dead, that we would still be lost in our sins this morning, right? This is what Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians 15, 17. He says, if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile and you are still in your sins. If Christ were still in the tomb, it would mean, it would mean simply this, that everything Jesus did for you was not enough to save you. His perfect life, his sacrificial death, we would still be under God's wrath, we would stand guilty before God in our sins. And so how does the resurrection save us? It's not that the resurrection accomplishes our salvation in the same way that Jesus' blood did uh, on the cross, but rather the resurrection assures us that what Jesus did was enough. It's God's declaration of that. Listen to how Lawson, Steve Lawson explains this. He says, the resurrection validates that God is the God of salvation. That God has raised his son from the dead. A dead savior is no one savior. A dead savior cannot even save himself. But a risen savior has power and eternal life to give to all those who believe in him. It is the resurrection that demonstrates that God has the power to save. He has the power to raise his son from the dead. He also has power to take our sins away from us and bury them in the sea of his forgetfulness. Isn't that good news, church? The resurrection is God's declaration, an exclamation point that our sins have been fully paid for by Jesus Christ. We do not need to doubt this. What he said was true. If we put our faith in him, we will be saved. This is why the gospel is such good news. 
This is why the apostles gave themselves to proclaiming the resurrection of Jesus Christ, even given their very lives to get this message out. Without the resurrection, there is no hope, there is no grace, there is no peace, there's, no, there's not even a real message for Paul to be communicating here in Romans if it did not happen. But because Jesus lives, there is grace that is greater than our sins. Because he lives, we can face tomorrow. Because we know this, that if we confess with our mouths Jesus is Lord and believe in our hearts that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. He promised us. And the resurrection is the proof of that promise. Have you confessed Jesus Christ as your Lord? Are you believing in your heart that God raised him from the dead? That Jesus perfect life and his death on the cross are enough to save you. A lot of people don't think that way today. And you talk to them and you ask them, what do you believe about this in terms of how do you think that you're going to get to heaven when you die? How are you saved? And most people will give you some kind of a works answer. It's about them. Oh, I do this, or I do that, I'm a good person, I'm this. By their own testimony, you understand when someone says that, when we say that, we are diminishing what Christ has done for us. Church, we've not come today to celebrate what we've done for ourselves. We've come today to express that He has done it all, right? Jesus paid it all. All of it. And his resurrection is God's ultimate validation that our debt truly has been paid. Why does the resurrection matter? It matters because it declares Jesus' identity. Secondly, it grounds our salvation. Third, the resurrection is an instrument, the instrument of our spiritual growth. Or if you want a more biblical term, and you've been with us in Romans, you can write the word sanctification beside the point, this is the process by which God is changing us, sanctifying us, growing us to be more like His Son, Jesus Christ. Here's how Paul explains it. This is Romans chapter 6, if you want to turn there. Verse 4, he says to the Christian here, We were buried, therefore, with Him, with Jesus, by baptism into death. In order that, just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. It's a wonderful picture he's painting here of what happens to us in salvation. The Bible says we were dead in our trespasses and sins, but in salvation God made us alive through Christ. And what follows, someone who has truly confessed with their mouths Jesus is Lord and believed in their hearts that God raised him from the dead, what follows that is new life, Paul says. Walking in newness of life. We live differently because of the resurrection. We don't stay the same. We don't just sing uh, sentimental songs on Easter because they make us feel good or take us back to a place in our, our childhood. No, the resurrection has affected our lives much more deeply than that. We're not the same because of it. 
Walk with me through this, this, these verses just for a moment. Romans 6, look at verse 1 and 2. He says, are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? What is his answer, verse 2? By no means. Look at verse 4. We just read it, the end of it, of it there. He says, just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, that we too might walk in, what does he say? Newness of life. What in the world does that mean? He tells us what it means. Look at verse 11. So you must also consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. What does that look like? Verse 12. Here's what it means. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body. It means to stop sinning, doesn't it? It means that those who know Christ, who have this resurrected life, at least are not pursuing sin any longer. We're not pursuing it. We don't want to do that anymore. We're not coddling it. We're not justifying it. We're not taking pride in it. We're not making excuses for it. Instead, verse 13, the second part, we are presenting ourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life. Look at chapter 7, verse 4. So that you may belong to another, to him who has been raised from the dead, in order that we may bear fruit for God. This message is very clear uh, in doing this. The longer that we are with the resurrected Christ, he's in us, his life, the more that we are walking like him. We're bearing fruit. Can this picture be any clearer that Paul is painting? A Christian is someone who's died to sin, he says. A Christian is someone who's been set free from sin, who's been raised to walk a new life, a life that is bearing fruit for God. Those who belong to Christ, he says, they're confessing and they're following Jesus as Lord. Does this characterize something of you? This is where the rubber meets the road, isn't it? Has the resurrection of Jesus Christ impacted you like what Paul is describing here? Well, there's been such a remarkable something that has happened to you, transformation, where the very trajectory of your life is changed, having come to know Jesus Christ as Lord. You're not the same way. You're not going the same direction. You're currently walking away from your sin. Even now, pursuing Christ and His Word. What Paul is saying, that this is what a Christian looks like. This is one who has believed and who has been changed by the resurrection, Lord. This is what they look like and where they're going. Does it describe you? Well, we've made it to the fourth point, amen? And it's only 20 minutes after the hour. You know, those of you who have been in the study of Revelation for so long, you're wondering how in the world did it take us so long to get to where we are now? But we're flying through this today. Somebody got a chuckle out of that. Notice the final thing, the final significance here. The resurrection is the assurance of eternal life. 
And this is why as Christians we get excited about the resurrection, isn't it? This is in Romans 8. Romans chapter 8. Notice the assurance of, of what he gives here. Verse 11, beginning in verse 11, he says, If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. And he's talking there about how Christ's resurrection is the guarantee for our future resurrection from the dead. That those in Jesus Christ have eternal life. Paul explained it a little differently in 1 Corinthians 15. He says, but in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead, the firstfruits of those who have fallen asleep. For as by a man came death, by a man has come also the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, so also in Christ shall all be made alive. Because he lives, we will live, church. Just as he was raised, we too will be raised. Because the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead lives in us, he will give life to our mortal bodies. This is the same thing Jesus said in John eleven twenty five 25 when he said, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Jesus promises that he will preserve our lives for all eternity. Is there anything more life-shaping and significant than that truth today? Paul wrote in, at the end of the chapter there, chapter 8, verse 34, he speaks again that Christ Jesus is the one who died. But then he says, more than that who was raised. And here's the implication. He was at the right hand of God interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? The answer there is no one and nothing. Nothing in this life can separate us from the love of Christ. Not even death itself. Oh, death, where is your sting, your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? Thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. We have this kind of blessed assurance from Him because He lives. Because he resurrected. Well, there you have it. What is it? Why does it matter? It confirms Jesus' identity. It grounds our salvation. It's the pattern and power for our spiritual growth. It's the assurance of eternal life. So it matters in our salvation. It matters in our justification. It matters in our sanctification. It matters even in our glorification. It has eternal implications for our lives. Now, if you can grasp that, any of that, maybe half of that, Lord willing, you can grasp the weightiness of Paul's words in Romans 10.9. If you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart 
that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. If, if you confess, if you believe, if you don't, you will not be saved. You will die in your sins and spend eternity forever separated from God in hell. Why does it matter? Our salvation depends upon our confession that God raised Jesus Christ from the dead. We must believe we must surrender to him as Lord of our lives. And so I ask you again, have you? Are you? You can right now. You can trust him right now as your Savior and Lord. I'm going to pray I'm going to be standing here during the, the final song. And if you would like someone to pray with you about this, I would be honored to be able to do that. Lord, we thank you for the good news of the fact that Jesus is not here. He's risen. That wonderful gospel message. And we thank you for the significance of it today. And, and um, we ask, Lord, that you would impress these things upon our hearts and lives. We would... Go forth today in worship, go forth today in service, go forth today sharing and proclaiming the resurrection just as the apostles did. And we pray the most for those, someone who might be here today who doesn't know you, who's not believed and repented, that today would be the day of salvation for them. In Jesus' name we ask it, amen. Thanks for listening to this podcast. I'm Pastor Jason Clark. And if you don't have a church home, I want to personally invite you to First Baptist Mount Washington. We're striving to be word-centered, gospel-focused, and community-minded. Learn more about our church and our meeting times from our website, fbcmw.org.